and the life of the world to come. Amen. May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father through his Son, his only Son, his manifested by a sign Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. You've been to beginning of marriage services, as I like to call them, some of them here at Crown of Life. And you've all been to wedding receptions somewhere at some time. So this is what you expect to see and to do. Someone's going to be taking pictures or video. There will be snacks and drinks. There will be a DJ introducing the wedding party and as the grand finale, the bride and the groom. There will be a meal, which, which I hope begins with a prayer. And there will be cake or some other substitute for cake. There will be some champagne or a, a bubbly drink so that toasts can be offered. There will maybe be some take-home remembrance. There will be stories and sharing. There will be hugs and smiles and maybe a few tears. These are all expected and all ordinary, but sometimes there are surprises. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to ponder the word of God from John chapter 2 with this theme, more and better wine, the first sign. People God dearly loves. It was an ordinary first century Middle Eastern wedding celebration that day at Cana in Galilee. The whole community had gathered, including some family members and friends from another nearby village, a small village called Nazareth. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, and so were her son and disciples. Now, maybe you wonder what I wonder. It says that Jesus and the disciples were there. Did, did Mary or Jesus ask the father of the bride, is it okay if we bring a few others with us? Well, how many is it? Oh, just 12 men. Oh, fine, sure, the more the merrier. It was an ordinary wedding celebration in Cana, except that Jesus was one of the guests. And then there was a problem, a serious problem at this ordinary wedding. It wasn't a miscalculation by the caterer, because too many RSVPs never made it to him. But maybe there were way too many people who showed up more than the 12 companions of Jesus. And maybe the days and nights were either hotter or cooler than expected. Some of my sources say that you would plan for a three-day wedding celebration, but some other sources say, no, it would be seven days long. You needed a lot of food. You needed a lot of wine. I also wonder this. How is it that Mary knows about the problem? It suggests, it seems to me, that she was close to or part of the family whose son or daughter was being married. So she wants to help with the issue. They have no more wine, Mary says to Jesus, to which he replies, what to me and to you? 
That's the sentence in Greek literally translated. It means really that Jesus is saying, Mother, we are not concerned about the same things. Does this surprise you? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Didn't the 12-year-old Jesus say to Mary and Joseph in the temple, Why were you frantically searching all over for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And Jesus adds this to his reply in Cana. My hour has not yet come. Mary backs away but tells the servants, do whatever my son asks you to do. At this ordinary wedding in Cana of Galilee, there were half a dozen large stone jars. These held water for the Jewish purification rites. Each one was both huge and heavy. It contained, as John tells us, 20 or 30 gallons of water. Six of them, do the math, it's 120 to 180 gallons, which isn't a coincidence. The Mishnah, which is a written collection of rabbinic oral traditions, which included 4,224 Mishnayos, which were instructions which would tell the Jews what to do in certain situations. The Mishnah says that 120 gallons is the minimum amount needed for a mikvah, a ritual bath. I promise I'm going to come back to the purification before the end of this sermon. So Jesus orders the servants to fill each of these six stone jars with water. They hustle to the village well with smaller containers and do this work. They fill all six of them all the way to the brim. Then Jesus gives another command. Dip into one of these jars and carry the cup to the master of the feast. The servants do what they're told And this master of the feast, a close relative, a friend of the bridegroom, think the best man, but even more than that, he tastes from the cup. When he takes a sip, he smiles. The servants know where it came from, but the man doesn't know. They know, the servants know, that clear water was poured into the massive jugs and that dark wine was drawn out. The master of ceremonies calls over the groom and says, where have you been keeping this primo vintage? Most people serve the good wine first. Then when their guests are a little inebriated, they serve the cheap cheap stuff, the off-brand variety. But you've done differently. You kept the best wine until now. And the no longer ordinary wedding party at Cana went on with shouts of joy because everyone learned this surprise. Jesus has turned water into wine. John concludes the account, the last verse of today's gospel. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested, revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So, what do you think? This is what I think. We knew the ending before the beginning. We've 
heard this story before. Many of us have had. Maybe we're puzzled about Mary pushing Jesus to do something. But we knew about these big jars, the orders to the servants, the wine tasting by the master of the feast. We knew, maybe we knew, that this was the first time in its closing that in the Gospel of John that he uses that key word sign. Is there something new for us to hear this morning? I think there is. More than that, I know there is. It's for you. It's for me. It's for us. And if it's not brand new, if it's something you heard before, may the Holy Spirit make it so to renew our faith in Christ. Let's start with what the master of the feast told the bridegroom. He said to him, you've done differently than any other man. The MC doesn't realize that he's really talking about Jesus. Our Lord has done differently than any other man could. He has come into our ordinary lives, our ordinary lives of work and life and weddings and gatherings. He has come into our ordinary lives of sin and guilt and hurt and struggle of funerals and grieving. And Jesus has come to do a new and wonderful thing. He has saved the best for last. In Isaiah 12, it's part of a canticle in prayer and preaching. There's this song that we could have sung during Advent and could sing it now. It proclaims this messianic promise. With joy will you draw waters from the wells of salvation. Not from a well in Galilee, but from the well of God's unlimited grace. God turns ordinary ways into extraordinary ways. From an ordinary young woman of Nazareth and a baby carried in her womb to the birth of Emmanuel, God with us. And that child, given the name Jesus, saves when his ultimate hour comes, when he goes to the cross to suffer and to bleed and to die for us. After all the pain and lostness and sorrow Jesus serves us the new and better wine of his gifts, forgiveness and life and salvation. In his grace, he invites, this is from Isaiah 55, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. If you have no money, come buy and eat, for I give wine and milk without money and without price. And Jesus will say in his sermon on the mount, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for salvation, for they shall be filled. Blessed are you, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. But there's more. Remember about those huge jars that were at the wedding at Cana in Galilee because of the repeated ritual washings. But Jesus gives the perfect and final cleansing. As we heard last Sunday from Romans 6, we are baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus. What he won for us there, he gives to us here. When we are showered by water and the word of holy baptism, we are cleansed of all sin. We are made new. There's even more. Jesus is the bridegroom. He chooses us as his bride not because we were so lovely or lovable, but because of his rich love. He 
He vows his faithfulness to us. He clothes us with his robe of righteousness. Look back with me, actually now or later, and look at today's Old Testament reading. And listen to how this declares the good news of God's rescuing and reclaiming love. You shall be called by a new name. You shall be a crown of beauty, a crown of splendor. You shall no more be forsaken or desolate. You shall be called, my delight is in you, and married. For as the bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. There is one more thing to say. Our Lord's gifts never run out. They are more than sufficient. They are extravagant. There is always more, always more love and grace, always more mercy and peace, always more sure and certain forgiveness, always more comfort and hope, and always more joy at the unending marriage feast of the Lamb. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.